Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for joining me today. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Always glad when we have new listeners and, you know, just the rest of us that are here every week. So thank you for joining me. And I'm always praying uh, every Sunday that your week goes well, that you are able to see God in the midst of your life and in your interactions with others, and that you are really experiencing his presence and know that he hears your hearts and knows that he hears your needs. And so I'm glad to be with you absolutely today. And we are going to talk about this idea of peace and the peace that passes all understanding. I think it's really appropriate just with the way the world is going and the things that we are experiencing in our own lives in our own country that we really remind ourselves of peace and how very, very important it is for us to focus on peace. And so I entitled this particular show, I Am With You Always. And I want to start with this verse. This is in... uh, John and it is chapter 1427 out of the Message Bible. And this is what Jesus says before he transcends to heaven. He says, I am leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. And so I love just the heart of this verse. Then he says, I'm not leaving you the way, sh- the way you're used to being left, where you're feeling abandoned or bereft or distraught. So he's saying that this is his legacy. This is out of the, and, and the version of John 14, 27, out of the voice, which is a different translation. It says, my peace is the legacy I leave to you. I don't give gifts like those of this world. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. You see, peace is God's parting gift to us. And it's not a gift that wears out. It's not a gift that has to be recharged. You don't have to go get new batteries for it. It's not a gift that runs out of style. This is the gift that Jesus gives us in the midst of turmoil, upset, worry, strife, pain, anguish. God says, I'm with you and I'm giving you my peace. So of all the parting gifts that Jesus could have left us, he left us his peace. Not love, not faith, although those are very valuable things. But he left peace. I mean, isn't that interesting? See, this is the culmination of everything Jesus taught. Everything he demonstrated while on earth. Jesus left his legacy of peace for us to follow. So I found myself ruminating on this passage and being drawn back to it 
like recently, like just now, this week, is why we're focusing on this today. And, and I believe there's great truth to be found in this really short exchange that Jesus had with his disciples. <clears throat> and what I want you to think about more than anything is this idea that worry and peace cannot coexist. So peace chases out worry, and worry chases away peace. So you can't have worry and peace at the same time. Why, why is this? Well, God designed our brains to only process either worry or peace. You see, neuroscientists, they've discovered a really, truly interesting phenomenon, and this is regarding the human brain. And it is something like an on-off switch, and so it cannot focus on both a positive and a negative feeling at the same time. And it's interesting to recognize that our brain, <clears throat> it is truly like this on-off switch. It's either on peace or off peace. So it can't focus on a positive and a negative at the same time. And interestingly enough, the brain is always going to pick the negative before the positive. It's kind of an unconscious survival mechanism. This is why it's so much easier to think about negative things. Why our brain might be more prone to negativity. I mean, can you relate to that? I'm sure you can, because this is, uh, this is all of our struggle, is to not have that stinking thinking, right? So our brains are trying to help us avoid pain, and so it will unconsciously focus on the problem rather than on the solution. So I'm going to say that to you again. Our brains are always trying to help us avoid pain. As a result, unconsciously, it focuses on the problem rather than the solution. Or maybe I should say we unconsciously focus on it. Our brain consciously focuses on the negative. So we all know the proverb that states, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. That's Proverbs 23, 7. And this just simply means the more I worry about things and people and situations, the more worrisome the world around me feels. The more I worry, the more anxious I am about people, places, and things, the more anxious I become, and the more my mind finds to worry about. It's truly a vicious cycle. <coughs> Excuse me. So think about this again. Jesus gave us peace as his parting gift. That's his parting gift to us. He's putting a lot of emphasis on peace. If that's the gift that he gave, if that's the one thing he said to his disciples before he, he, the transfiguration, he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not be troubled. Do not be dismayed. And, and so this is a tough thing. Because it means that we have to have an internal battle with ourselves. Because it's easy to be discouraged, dismayed, worried, upset. This world is not an easy place to live in. And, and it's natural for us in our fallen state to go to the negative. So Jesus must have known how important peace was to our hearts and to our souls and our minds and our physical bodies. Because he himself dealt with immense struggles here on earth, yet he never worried. Think about that. He dealt with immense struggles. 
to the point of death and ultimately dying. Yet, he never worried. So why was Jesus able to make such good decisions and never be anxious and never make a mistake? Well, obviously, because he's God, that's one thing. But he was God in human form. So he had to work in a human body with a human brain, grounded by the earth, just like we do. And so the one thing that helped him make good decisions to not be anxious is that he always was in communion with his father and that helped him stay continuously at peace. And so this is where he's got a, he's got a platform of peace. Doesn't mean he didn't have upset or negative feelings. I mean, my goodness, he, he you know, bled drops of, perspired drops of blood hanging on the cross. This was not easy stuff that he was doing. But he didn't worry about what people thought about him. He wasn't anxious about whether or not he would be successful. He wasn't trying to convince people of what the truth was. He understood what it meant to feel misunderstood, to feel misperceived, to feel not liked, to feel unseen, to feel uncared for, to feel not wanted. And yet he still had peace. So when we look at this, <coughs> we understand that how we embrace peace in the midst of circumstances, how do we do that? How do we embrace peace when our circumstances beg for us to spiral into anxiety and despair? How do we do that? Now, most of us, and I'm sure this, this will ring true with you, one of the ways we try not to spiral into despair, etc., etc., is by logic, reason and logic. We're going to try to reason our way out of it. We're going to come up with a solution. We're going to try to talk ourselves out of it. When really, the answer is all about trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust you and then trust God? Do you trust your spouse or your friends or the world, your money, your appearance, your possessions? And then you trust your friends and then you trust God. Do you trust your pets more? Who do you trust? Because this is what's so powerful. Jesus gave us his peace as his legacy for us. We need to learn to trust him. He knows what it's like down here. He knows exactly what it's like. And so I recently had this aha moment <clears throat> when I was caring for my cat and I was, you know, pouring cat food into the bowl. And, and of all things, I felt the Lord speak to me. He said, Cynthia, you feed and care for your cat every day and every night. Even though she's not always the best cat, but she belongs to you. So you give her what she needs, even if she doesn't merit it. And she just receives it, trusting that the next meal will be right there when she needs it. And I thought, that is simple. I need to practice that with Jesus. I need to simply say, I trust him. I trust him. He's going to get me what I need, when I need it, how I need it, and in the way I need it. And instead of, see, my, my cat doesn't try to figure all this out. She doesn't try to figure out how I get the food. She knows where it is because she'll jump up on the counter and look at the cupboard that it's in. 
but she doesn't know that I drive a car to go pick up the food. She doesn't know the manufacturing company that makes the food. She just simply knows I'm going to feed her. And I will make sure that she will get what she needs. And she trusts. So I want you to be thinking about this. We're going into a break. And I want you to join me on the other side. Because we're going to talk more about this idea that Jesus really gave us this gift. And many times we leave the gift at home. Or we don't take the gift into our heart. We just think of it as a thought. Yeah, I know Jesus gave me peace. So we want to really assimilate the peace that passes all understanding. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And I will talk to you in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. I always appreciate it when you spend your Sundays with me. And we are talking about peace and this statement that Jesus made when he said, I am with you. I will always be with you until the end of the age. I am with you always. And that he gave us his peace. And he says his peace is a legacy that he leaves to us. He said in John 14, 27, I don't give gifts like those of this world. So don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. I give you peace. And how do we get peace in a world that is crazy? When our individual worlds feel sometimes crazy or really crazy, and then we've got the world we live in that seems crazy. Well, a lot of it has to do with trust. I trust who's giving me the gift. When Jesus says, I give you this gift of peace, I trust that it's true. And I trust that he's giving it to me. That he's not just dangling it out here in front of me. And, I, and in the last segment, I talked about this fact that my, my little cat always knows she'll be fed. She trusts me. She trusts my husband. She knows she'll be taken care of. She lives in a safe house. Nothing is going to happen to her. She trusts us. So she trusts me every night, every morning to feed her. She doesn't pay attention to where the food comes from. She doesn't try to figure it out. She doesn't hoard it to make sure she has enough for tomorrow because maybe I won't feed her. She trusts me. So she just receives the care I give to her. This is what God is wanting us to do. And it reminds me of that verse, that, that chapter and verse in Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And a part of it, it says, it's regarding the lilies of the field. And this verse talks about how they are clothed better than Solomon. And the author goes on to say, you don't see, you know, that you see these beautiful lilies of the field. You see the birds of the air. They don't worry. They're not anxious. And see, we don't look at the lilies of the field wringing their little petals, right, wondering if God will feed and clothe them. And you certainly won't see my cat spending a single moment in anxiety, wondering whether or not I'm going to feed him. Because 
This is the trust issue. The lilies of the field, the birds of the air, my pet, trust me. We have people in our lives that trust us so that when we betray the trust, they're shocked, they're disappointed. And it's painful. And so the nice thing we have with Christ is that we don't have to worry that maybe one day he's going to let us down. He's God. He's perfect. And he implores us to trust him so that we then can have peace in the midst of strife. That we can understand that God loves this world far more than we ever could. We don't even know enough of the world to love it like he does. He loves every single person, every single thing that he has created, he loves. And he has a plan and a purpose. And whether or not we believe it has nothing to do with whether or not he's going to do his plan. He's done his plan alone many times on this, in the course of this world. So we can know that he is with us and that we can trust him. And so all he asks of us is to trust him and not worry. Because he knows what worry can do to us. He's pleading with us. He's saying, I've made you. I created you. Worry will compromise you, will kill you. And so I say to people, don't drink the poison of worry. It's a slow kill. It's very hard on the body. It's very hard on the mind. It's very hard on our hearts. So worry is like a slow kill. You don't want to lead a life of worry. Worry has never taken anyone anywhere other than into despair, discouragement, and exhaustion. And what happens when we have a chronic problem of worry, it makes it nearly impossible to trust. So even when it does work out, we still don't trust. We think, well, it did this time, but it, won't, it may not be okay next time. And it becomes a chronic habit. And what we have found Neuroscientists have confirmed, and they have confirmed this through the use of MRIs, that there's many neural changes in, that your brain undergo, undergoes within one second of a negative thought. So they watch this in an MRI. The amygdala re releases a dozen or more of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. And these brain chemicals immediately interrupt normal functioning of the brain, especially those involving logic, reason, and problem solving. So in other words, negative thinking and worry puts you into survival mode. Survival mode is never pretty. People don't make good decisions when they're in survival mode unless they're truly trying to save their own life. So survival, that survival mode when something is simply uncomfortable or uncertain, doesn't fit. And we end up making decisions that we might have to undo. We make decisions that we might regret. We might jump to the conclusion of something, make a whole decision based on it, and then have to try to unwrap it. And so negative thinking puts you into that survival mode where everything is either or black or white. It's I'm going to either live or, or I will die. And so the more you stay focused on negative words and thoughts, the more you actually damage key structures that regulate your memory, feelings, and emotions. You may disrupt your sleep, your appetite, and the way your brain regulates happiness, longevity, and health. 
that gets disrupted. So the bottom line, worry. It's simply not good for you. If you let it, it'll slowly kill you. And it is one of the easiest habits to have. All of us can do it. It's natural, but it's not healthy. So I frequently am telling clients, just because something feels natural, just because something is like easy, doesn't mean it's healthy or right or good for you. So the science of the mind actually is now catching up to the Bible and proving what God has been saying to us all along, that we must maintain the highest level of positivity in order to counteract the effects of negativity on our bodies, our spirits, our souls, our relationships. See, God really knows what he's talking about when he says not to worry. It truly harms us and lowers our effectiveness. So make sure you know the distinction between concern and worry. The difference between focusing on something as important and necessary for problem solving and actually just worrying. Because worry is like, you know, going to the gas station, you're filling up your car with gas, and you just simply keep filling it until it spills out all over the gas station cement, and you just keep spending money filling up a gas tank. It wastes a ton of fuel when you worry. So this is important that we look at this idea of worry, and that God gave us this verse through Jesus. He says, I'm leaving you well and whole. This is my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned or bereft. Don't be upset. Don't be distraught. Don't be dismayed. I have a way. God always has a way. He always has a plan. So join me in the next half hour as we talk about the fact that Jesus is with us always. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And thank you also for participating in all the social media that we put out there. I love to hear your comments and, and your ideas. And certainly visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We have blogs as well um, that correspond to some of the shows. You can always read some of those. And we certainly have the the radio shows, the most current ones especially, that are up um, on the website as well. All you do is go to the top of the homepage, click listen, and it'll take you to a lot of different podcasts that, that we have, but especially the, the ones that are most current, which are these shows right here. So we are talking about this idea that God is always with us, that he's not going to leave us, he's not going to forsake us, that we are not to be afraid, we are not to be dismayed, we are not to worry. When we talked in the last segment about the science of the mind and that the Bible is actually proving what God has been telling us all along and that we must really work on positivity, that it is actually just unnatural in many ways for the brain. The brain is fallen. It's an organ like any other organ in your body, and it's, it's dying just like the rest of your body. But we are living and will live eternally. So our brains are kind of like just used to being negative. It's natural for the brain to be negative. It, it wants to go where the pain is. It wants to solve a problem to try to help you feel better. So it doesn't understand that it's kind of sabotaging itself when it constantly thinks in a negative and worrying state. 
So what we want to think about is the way to combat worry is to understand that relationship that we have with our brains. And so you can talk to your brain and you can tell it what to do. I know it sounds silly, but I want you to hear me out. I want you to take a moment to think about the words peace, love, and joy. As I say, peace, peace be with you. I love you. Have a great day. When you think on those, when your brain hears them and you meditate on it, and you let the meaning settle into your psyche, how do you feel? When they measure through MRI imaging, when they measure this, they really see the brain change when it thinks negatively and when it thinks positively. And what they have come to find is that chronic negative thinking and worry actually can change the organic structure of your brain. It's very hard on the brain to do it. It's kind of like, um, you know, running your engine, you know, putting your foot on the gas pedal and having it on the brake at the same time. It's very stressful for the brain to do it. So I want you to think about this idea that when you practice this meditation of positivity, is that the thalamus, this is a part of your brain, it's what we know is to be the control center in your brain, it takes that word, that wonderful word of peace, and it disseminates it through the rest of your brain. So instead of moving into the fight, flight, or freeze mode, into survival, that's the mode that the word worry will instigate. Meditating on peace takes that word straight to the frontal lobe of your brain, which is where higher level thinking and emotions reside. It's like restarting your computer. It's like scanning your computer for malware or something. Is, that's exactly what it does for your brain. So contemplating the positive is akin to hitting a reset button in your brain. So I encourage this meditative practice with my clients all the time, and I've benefited from it myself. So when you're stressed and you're feeling burned out, tell your brain, relax, you can do this. You're capable. You'll pull, pull through this trauma. You're strong. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily feel that, but it means that my brain is now given permission and is given the directive to make those statements true. So this practice actually builds neurological connections in your brain that have a healing effect, even after inconceivable trauma. Now, this is different than just positive thinking. This is actually kindness, gentleness, support that you're giving yourself, that you're saying to your brain, thank you for working so hard for me. Thank you for always taking care of me, always being awake, always trying to figure out some part of you is always awake for me, watching what's going on, helping and guiding. This is, and when you really focus on the name of Jesus, focus on God, you focus on eternity. You focus on his love, his kindness, his joy, his peace. It isn't like anything else has changed, but your brain will see your life differently. So we're going into our last segment of the show. So I hope you can join with me in this last part <clears throat> as we talk more about having Jesus means you also get to have his feelings, which is peace. So make sure you join me in the, in the last segment here as we finish this up. And we talk about more ways that you can do this. How to truly support yourself 
How to Live a Life of Peace in the Midst of Great Storm. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Talk to you on the other side. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So thank you for joining in. If you've just tuned in, I want to encourage you to go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, where you can listen to this show in its entirety. And we are talking about peace and that beautiful verse that says, I am with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged or dismayed. So I want you to understand that having Jesus in you, having the Spirit of Christ in you, means that you also get to have his feelings. And so this isn't just about knowing you need to be at peace cognitively. Like that's what we were talking about is the cognitive part of you focusing on positivity and focusing on words. And what the, the newest neuroscience is telling us about the way the brain responds to certain words. So it's not just cognitively having the peace of Jesus. He wants you to feel that peace because actually Jesus is at peace. He is at peace. So if he lives in you, you have him in you that is at peace. So in a sense, you kind of get to borrow his feelings. So when we're overwhelmed by problems and circumstances, we can look to Jesus and borrow his peace. We can say, you know, Jesus, I know you tell me to be at peace. I'm not at peace. I can't be at peace. I'm upset. I'm distraught. I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm anxious. So instead of fighting with those feelings, I'm going to think about Jesus and Jesus being at peace in the midst of my storm, just like he was on the boat when everything was raging and raging and raging and he was sleeping. So go wake him up in your heart. Go wake him up and say, Jesus, the storm is raging outside of me. I'm afraid I need your peace. And then he says to you, my peace, I give you. That's the most beautiful statement that we could even imagine. So I want to tell you this, this story where this really came, became very uh, evident, this idea of peace and having a peaceful Christ, you know, in us and with us. And so I was at the San Diego Zoo <clears throat> and I was allowed to be, go to the backstage encounter with the animals. And so I saw a sloth and leopards and an Alaskan wolf and a cheetah, along with many others. Now, these animals were like a mere five feet away. It was fascinating. It was really, truly a once in a lifetime experience. And it led to this epiphany of sorts. You see, the cheetah and I didn't know this about cheetahs. They're quite skittish creatures. So what they do is the cheetah had this unique buddy that helped him stay calm. A specially chosen shelter dog. Because cheetahs, they are so skittish and wary. And so a part of the program called Animal Ambassadors is that the zoologist pair cheetahs with dog companions particularly chosen for their calm demeanor. So they pick really calm, confident, strong dogs. And 
I watched as the cheetah constantly looked over at his canine buddy, and he stayed calm during this whole entire interaction. So all these people, not a lot, maybe 20, are five feet within five feet of this cheetah, looking at him, gazing at him, taking pictures of him. And he truly would be a nervous wreck and run. He might sprint. And so they didn't even have a leash on him, on this cheetah, because as long as that dog was sitting right next to him, the cheetah took all his cues from the dog. So he looked at the dog, and if the dog was okay, the cheetah said, okay, I can be okay because my friend is okay. And so the dog's peaceful demeanor was enough reassurance for this naturally very skittish, skittish cheetah to know that all was good. Everything was going to be all right. I mean, it was truly amazing to see this. So we can do the same with Jesus. We can constantly keep our eyes on Jesus as our buddy and take cues from him. We can borrow his feelings of peace when we're not feeling good. If he's good, we're good. And Jesus is always good. Everything is going to be all right. Not maybe everything in the moment, but God is going to be with you at all times. So when the world is going crazy, he will be that respite so that you can lie down in the bottom of the boat while the storms are raging and lay next to Jesus and be safe. I mean, it doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. Trust me, it's hard. It's hard. And, and you know that. I know that. And trusting Jesus is hard. I mean, at least the cheetah got to see a red-blooded mammal sitting next to him. We don't get to see Jesus in human form unless we see him interact through other people. But we can trust. And so I'm, I say to people, there's this saying of mine that I often refer to, and it's trust is a word I understand until I actually have to do it. It doesn't feel like a heavy word until I actually have to put it into practice. But Jesus understands how hard it is to trust. And he wants us to trust him because the peace of God is always there for us. But it is inaccessible if we're not trusting. So our trust should be in God and not in ourselves. So my trust always starts with God, not with me. And I have to learn to trust him with my God-sized problems. The ones that feel unsolvable, burdensome, and manageable. And instead of focusing on how and if he will solve them, I just simply focus on my relationship with him, and I focus on who he is, who he says he is. And it helps me accept life and its uncertainty. It helps me accept God's timing. It helps me to trust that nothing is impossible for God. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God with me. He is my God. Therefore, and thankfully, nothing in my life is impossible for God. So we accept his peace and we are then transformed in his presence. So the famous devotional Jesus Calling, it, it, there's a, a say, it encourages us to relax daily in the healing of his holy presence and that we must allow him to transform us through time alone with him. And so as we center our thoughts more and more on Jesus, trust displaces fear and worry. Our minds are like seesaws, but as we trust in God, 
the worry and the warring of our souls go down. Our trust goes up, our worry goes down. This heals my brain. This heals my spirit, my soul, and eventually my body. This trust helps me to know what's important, helps me to know where to spend my time on, and helps me to know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to read you this prayer. It's by a very uh, famous nun. It's St. Teresa of Avila. And the first two lines are incredibly poignant. And this is what it says. It says, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things pass. God does not change. Patience achieves everything. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. When we have peace, when we have his peace, we can truly be who, cre- who he created us to be. We have full access to our logical, rational minds and, and being creative beings versus using our rational and creative and logical minds to think about survival. See, having his peace allows us to thrive and not just survive. So Jesus, let's read this. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 out of the Message Bible. It said, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out, train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. His peace is with us always, because he is always with us, helping us do his work through us no matter what our circumstances. Nothing is impossible for God, and you can trust him. So accept his amazing parting gift of peace each and every day without worry, without fear, and wait to see what he can do. He says, my peace I give to you, and I will return. And so there's this wonderful uh, just analogy metaphor, I mean, it truly happened, that, that I came across. And this is the uh, really interesting phenomenon of Jesus and the linen napkin when he was laid in the tomb. And when bodies were laid in, in the tomb in, in the time of Christ and wrapped in, in the linen cloth, they had a napkin that was put over their face. And so I found how significant this was because the verse in John chapter 20, verse 7, tells us that the napkin was placed over the face of Jesus. And it was not just thrown aside like grave clothes. And so... In that verse, we're saying, what's so significant about the fact that instead of Jesus wadding it up, throwing it to the side, or just tossing it away, he actually folded the napkin that was on his face. Now, remind, remind yourself that we have communion. That's the body of Christ that is our meal. And the blood of Christ is our sustenance, our life. So when you understand the significance of the folded napkin, you have to understand a little bit about Hebrew tradition. The folded napkin had to do with the master and servant 
and every Jewish boy knew the tradition. Every servant knew at the dinner table that if the napkin was wadded up and thrown on the floor or thrown to the side, it meant that the master was done eating and would not return to the table. This is what's so amazing. And so what would happen is when, a, when the master folded the napkin and put it on the plate and got up and walked from the table, it meant, I will return. I'm coming back. So the folded napkin meant I'm coming back. So we have this beautiful gift God gave us, a gift, this gift of peace. And then as he resurrected, he folded the napkin, which meant to everyone, I'm coming back. So not only did he give us a gift when he left, but he's promising us that he's coming back. So we can truly live at peace here on this crazy, difficult, disrupted planet. And all the while, we can still have peace in the midst of the storm. And we can also have peace knowing he will return. So I think this is so powerful for us to really focus on. So I want you to think about that prayer. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things pass. God does not change. Patience achieves everything. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. He says, don't be upset, don't be distraught. I'm leaving you a parting gift of peace, and I will never leave you. Well, God bless you in your week this week. I'll be praying for you. I can't wait to talk to you again in another week. Thank you for joining me on social media, and God bless you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.